Hi there, my name is Adam Waters and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. thinking to yourself, this guy thinks he's still working with youth groups. What is he talking about, the attack of the rolling bagel? But it's my hope that when we get finished with this message that we'll all want to be one. Okay? Does that sound good? All right, it sounds good. You know, I prayed for us. I've been praying that uh, the sword of God's word would cut us today. Not to hurt us, but to heal us. You know, I, I know that we listen to God's word sometimes. Some of us uh, need encouragement. Uh, some of us need a rebuke. Some of us need a little course correction. Maybe some, one of us, two of us might need some repentance. But I'm praying that all of us are going to want some obedience, some thankfulness, and some worship after we finish this. So let me begin by saying this. You know, when odds look overwhelming and and uh, stacked against us, I want to let you know there's more hope for you than you can imagine. There really is. You know, I, I once heard a black pastor say, and I know you've heard me say it, he got up there and he said, the Lord doesn't take you into the valley of the shadow of death. He takes you through the valley of the shadow of death. He takes you through that valley. You know, Gideon was looking at a valley that didn't look good. He was looking at a valley that was filled filled with enemies. It was frightening. What's in your valley these days? What's scaring you? What's intimidating you? What's threatening you? I want you to think about that as we go through this, because we're going to learn from Gideon that God knows our fears before we do. We're also going to learn from a rolling bagel (laughs) that it's not just about facing our fears with God. It's about God's call to the weak and to the powerless to join him in his fight against things that threaten you, in his power. Isn't that amazing? He loves to do that. He loves to make fun of the powerful with the weak and the powerless. So I'm hoping that that'll be part of what we'll learn today. You know, after listening to what God will reveal us today, we should stop also seeing insurmountable and impossible things with our eyes and start seeing them with our faith. That's going to be an important lesson today, too. And then also, you know, because God wants to get us through our valleys, I, I got down here stronger, braver, more confident, more obedient, more worshipful, and victorious, more so than we ever thought or could, or could imagine. Um, so let's discover what Gideon has to teach us today. Open up your Bibles to uh, Judges 
chapter 7, verse 7. It's like in the beginning of your Bible, if you have a real old-fashioned Bible. And if you've got an app, <coughs> you know, it'll take you right there. So just plug in Judges 7, all right? And then let's start reading. Follow me along as I read. The Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites away. Gideon, you imagine that? He sent them to their tents, but kept the 300, who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Let me just stop here a second. You do the numbers. Gideon sent away 30,000 men. You do the numbers at the end of the story, and you find out there's 135,000 men in the valley. That's four and a half to one odds against them. That's like going into a battle, realize you're going to have to fight someone in front of you, someone behind you, someone to your right, someone to your left, and there's still a half a warrior somewhere that's going to jump out of nowhere and get you. Okay? Now he's down to 300 brave guys armed with bugles. Not a great sight. That is 450 to one odds. 450, that's like today, you or I confronting a battle squadron on a battlefield. 450 soldiers ready to fight against you. That's filling this whole place up. It's a standing room only with soldiers that you're going to have to take on by yourself. God says, I like those odds. He wants us to like those odds too. So let me continue. Let me see, where am I here? Uh, now, uh, there in the camp of Midian, lay below him in the valley. Uh, during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up! Go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it to your hands. Then he says, This is great. Listen to this. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you're going to be encouraged to attack the camp. I love this. The first lesson here is God knows your fear before you do. Before we even talk about being afraid, God already knew what was on Gideon's mind. And he was going to take care of that fear. So Gideon arrives at the encampment of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and a group of other people called the Eastern people, the Eastern tribes. And he's standing on a ridge overlooking the valley. Okay? Get this picture. He looks over one shoulder. There's 135,000 warriors with camels to boot. All right? He looks over the other shoulder. He sees 300 guys with bugles. And he's thinking to himself, that does not look good. In fact, God knows that he's probably not only afraid, but his men are afraid. In fact, he probably knows that they're scared to death, frightened. And he wants to take care of that. He wants to, to, to just do away with those fears. So he knows your fears. He knows that Gideon's afraid. He knows he's terrified. So I'm going to come back to that question again. What's in your valley? What's threatening you? Think about it. You know, I wrote down some things here. Is it a debilitating disease? I, I know there's some people that have that right now. A traumatic injury? God knows your fear about that. You know, maybe um, you're fighting an emotional threat. You know, maybe they're uh, anxiety, depression, anger. Or maybe it's a relentless wound of a broken relationship. 
or an unhealthy relationship. And you just feel broken by it. You know, God knows your hurt. God knows your fear about that. You know, maybe what comes to mind is the uncertainty of your spiritual state, that there's a sin that you're wrestling with that you haven't been able to break away from. And it's got you afraid. You know, without getting into specifics, you know, maybe it's it's got something to do with the way you use your ears or your eyes or your mouth or your mind. Or maybe your hands. God knows your fears about that. Or maybe it's a, maybe it's a doubt that just kind of lingers, and it's like always eating up away at your faith, you know. And you're like, God, am I ever going to get rid of this? When's it going to stop? I don't want it to hinder our relationship, you know. God knows your fear. He could take care of those things. But I think what he's saying here, what God's really pointing out here, is that there's a, there's an enemy. That wanted all of God's people. There's an enemy that wanted to take away from people uh, their blessings. He wanted to take away from them all his kingdom promises. They wanted to annihilate them. I think that's the size of the, the enemy that, that uh, Gideon is, that God's showing us through Gideon here. You see, um, you look at what's going on here, and Gideon is part now of a, of a broken and fallen nation. At one time, you know, they were there to, to, to worship God with this beautiful form of sacrificial worship. And what they have done over generations have mixed it with immoral pagan worship. And the, the, the enemy in their valley was actually the culture that they were around. And it was beginning to gobble them up a little bit here and a little bit there until finally they were just kind of like mixing the two together. And what had happened is that God had begun to remove his hand of protection from them. And now all of a sudden, they found themselves in a culture that was being consumed with violence and licentiousness. Sound familiar? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, we got a big enemy in our valley, too. That's the culture that's around us. You know, and part of the problem is us. Part of the problem is that what we do is um, uh, we're afraid of what's in that valley. I wrote some other things down over here that, um, you know, we're afraid of actually taking the love of Christ to the people that we know and love. I am. You know why? I've got some things on here. I'm afraid of the scorn of people. I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of being ridiculed. I'm afraid of being labeled a hater when I want to express the love of Christ to somebody. You know, and so we seldom talk about the hope of Jesus to our family and friends and we seldom lovingly take stands against unrighteousness because we're afraid of, what, afraid of what people are going to say. And I, I say specifically, lovingly take a stand against righteousness because unfortunately, a number of us have learned to do it unlovingly. We've learned from the world how to be angry. We've learned from the world how not to be loving. You know, and our power, like the song that we said, is to learn to love, to speak in love. 
You know, and, and, and so we look at people who disagree with us. This is kind of a sidebar, so I'm sorry I'm getting real... Yeah, but we'll get to the funny part later. Um, we look at people like they're our enemies. And we're angry with them. And we don't realize that they are just like us. They need Jesus just the way we need Jesus. And God's word tells us that, you know what? They're not our enemies. In fact, we don't wrestle against any flesh and blood. We have a bigger enemy to worry about. It's powers and principalities in heavenly places. That's where our angst should be aimed. That the people that disagree with us, what they need to know is Christ's love through us. Yeah, they need to know we disagree with them. You know, whatever it might be. But they need to know we love them. We need to know, they need to know we love them. You know, worse yet, today's voice is uh, telling us to keep your faith inside the box. This box. Keep your faith here. Yeah, get together, you know, sing your songs, read your Bible, but keep it inside here. When in fact, the love of Christ, his mercy, his sacrificial love has to be expressed outside this box. Okay, we come here to worship, yeah. We come here to learn. We come here to serve with each other. But our life, our faith is lived outside of this box. And the voices against that get pretty loud because they kind of want to keep it the way it is because they don't know how much God loves them. All right? And, and, and so some of those voices actually get angry. So we get more intimidated and then we kind of just withdraw and we don't say things. But I want to dispel that. I just want to dispel that for you because, in a sense, that's what, that's what Gideon was dealing with. He was looking at this valley that was full of other cultures and other people, and they were warriors, and they were out to do physical violence against them. You know, fortunately, we don't have that issue. But what Gideon is showing us is that we need to, in Christ's power, engage that. Just engage that. And here's some things, if you, in doubt that, if you have any doubt that God's promises to you are to kind of leave you stranded, listen to this. Psalm 138.8 says, The Lord will accomplish all that concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Do you realize that God calls you to something and he fills you with power to make it happen? He doesn't leave you hanging to do something that he asks you to do and to do it all by yourself. He gives you the power he will accomplish it through you. Look at what Paul said to the Philippians. He says, I could do all things through him who strengthened me. Him is Jesus. And I, I mean, I look at Paul's life, and he's a pretty cantankerous guy. He looks like he's a pretty bold guy. He looks like he doesn't take anything from anybody. Yet he says, I'm not doing it on my own power. I'm going to lean into the power of Jesus, who's going to give me the ability to do everything. Do you believe that God can give you the ability to do what he calls you to do? Do you? Yes, no, maybe so. What do you think? Yeah, I see a smile back there. I got one thumbs up. That's good. Let me give you one more. This is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Do you realize that? We haven't gotten a spirit of fear from God. So where does it come from? Well, it comes from the world. It comes from our evil adversary. And it comes from right here inside of us too. 
But God hasn't given us that spirit of fear. Instead, he's given us a spirit of power, dunamis, power. He's given us a spirit of love, to love people that are like maybe unlovable, like maybe even me, you know, I don't know. And he's given us a power of a sound mind, confidence, focus. He's given us the ability to see where we need to go. That's the God who's taking care of us. So let's see. The first thing we've learned now is that God knows our fears, and I've kind of taken it on a sidetrack before we even know them. So it gets back to the story. <clears throat> so he and Pura, that's Gideon and Pura, his servant went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. I hate that thought. I hate cicadas. I mean, I hate their noise. There were so many of them about 10 years ago. They were just dropping out of the trees, and they were like all over the place, and they smelled. I hate this. This is like disgusting. I can't imagine just seeing this valley just crawling with all these army guys and camels and stuff. So their camels were no more counted than the sand of the seashore. So Gideon uh, takes his servant poor, and he sneaks down to the enemy lines. And I have to hand it to Gideon. He said, you know what? God says, I'm afraid. He's right. <laughs> I'm going to go see what he has for me. You know. So if you're ever afraid and you sense that God's leading you somewhere to show you how you can be brave, don't tough it out like Peter and say, oh, maybe I'll make a hole, but I'm not going. No, say, I'm afraid. I'm going with whatever you want to show me, dear Lord. So anyway, let's keep reading. Verse 13. Gideon arrives just as a man was telling his friend his dream. I had a dream, he said. He said, around loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camps. It struck the tent with such force, the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend looked at him and said, Oi, <laughs> Rotro, I know exactly what that means. He said, This can only be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. I want to show you something. This is a loaf of wheat bread. Not much different than a loaf of uh, barley bread. What are the odds of this taken out of tent? Small to none, right? But there's a lot to learn from this little section of passage here. Let me go through it. This is fun. First of all, and I think that's really pretty cool, <clears throat> is um, God didn't send Gideon down alone. He didn't send him down into the valley where his threats were alone. He takes a servant with him. You know what? What does that teach you? Don't do it alone. If you have, look around and see who God's given you to go with you to face your threats, to face the things that are, fearing, that are scaring you. Make sure you have somebody with you. I mean, you need that. So... Um, when I was in business, as far as faith and business goes, my partner, the, the, the man who God gave me to face my fears there, and trust me, when you run a business and you own a business, there's lots of fears. They go like day to day sometimes. It was Ralph. He faced the fears with me. He really helped me. When I became a pastor, it was Kurt. In my private life, my personal life, as a man, it was Alex. 
He was always there with me. But the one who faced them with me for nearly 50 years, side by side, always giving me encouragement, always saying the right word, always looking the right way, was Candy. She was amazing. She even told me a number of times, Wayne, it's not about you. <laughs> I mean, it's terrific. You need another person. And God wants to, Jesus never sent one disciple out. He always sent a couple, right? So, first thing there, it's really cool. God wants to strengthen you against your fears. And the first thing he does is find that person who can go with you. Uh, the second thing <clears throat> is God's strategy. I, I love the God's strategy that here, that he gave the dream to the enemy and not to Gideon and to uh, Porah. You see, if he gave the dream to Gideon and Porah, well, they would sit there and talk about it, and the two of them would say, wow, wow, looks like we got something going here. You know, God's on our side. But instead, he gave the, the dream to the enemy. All right? Because now the enemy is talking about it. I mean, imagine this. <clears throat> Mike the Midianite wakes up, and he goes, what was that? What kind of dream was that? He goes, and he probably didn't even brush his hair or brush his teeth that morning, and he runs out to his friend, Al the Amalekite. And he goes to Al, he goes, Al, I had this dream. He goes, tell me about it, Mike. And Mike tells him the dream. You know, and he talks about the barley loaf rolling down the hill and you know, all this stuff. And Al's scratching his head going, I don't think this looks too good. And so what he does is he takes the fear that was in Gideon with his dream, okay? He takes the fear that Gideon had and he takes it away from Gideon and he puts it into the enemies. And then when Gideon sees the fear in the enemies, that takes the, the, the courage and the power that was in the enemy and puts it into Gideon. He switches it over. And now the fear that's in these two guys begins spreading throughout this camp because they're all talking about it. You know they had to be talking about it. And so it's, it's just a wonderful way that God uses strategy to, and he'll bring strength to you. I can't tell you how many times God has brought strength in my life when I just thought it was over. And I know you've had the same experiences. And we should talk about it with one another because it gives really glory to God. It's just so wonderful. <clears throat> the other thing that's amazing, excuse me, is the timing of God. I mean, think about it. They get down to the outpost of the enemy camp the same time that these two guys are talking about it. I mean, you know, all the things that needed to happen. They needed to get up at the right time. This guy had to be on the post at the right time. <clears throat> they had to be told by God to go down at the right time. And they got there down the rocks and around the bend and through the river, you know, whatever it was, to get to the right place at the right time to hear what they needed. That means that God will do whatever it takes to get you where you need to hear the encouragement and the strength you need to face anything that's in your valley. That's a great gift, a great gift. So, let's talk about the barley loaf, finally. The rolling bagel. What is that all about? Well, the first thing is that barley loaves were probably the base food for the poorest and the least of the people. It was the least thing that people had to eat. And in a sense, that's a picture of who Gideon is. Because remember, Gideon described himself as from the smallest tribe of Israel, and he was the least in his family. And he was saying that he was the least. The second thing about the, the barley loaf, I, I think that's important, 
is there's not enough size or mass in this to knock over a tent. There just isn't. And what God is saying is that, listen, I do the impossible with the impossible. I do the impossible with the impossible. It was impossible. Gideon, there was no way that there was a possibility for him to stand against an army of 135,000. There was no way for an army of 35,000 to be defeated by 300 men. And yet God did it. He did it. He uses this, this bread like this to be this, this rolling bagel that comes down out of the mountains, slams into the encampment of the Midianites and takes out that, that, that tent. I think God is trying to show us the same thing. He wants to make you his rolling barley bread, his rolling bagel. He wants to use you the least to accomplish the most. God loves doing this. He loves doing this. He did this with Jesus. Jesus, God, okay, comes down to earth as a man in the humility and the simplicity and the weakness of a man. And what does he do? He defeats sin and death as a man because God empowers him. God loves to take the weak and the, and the uh, outnumbered and, and use them to humble humankind and their pride and even the world of evil powers and their pride. Let me tell you the story. Of, of such a, a rolling barley bread. Uh, there was this uh, 10-year-old girl at the church that, uh, that her family attended where I pastored. And um, one day she decided, her, her mom, sh- to write a letter. And her mom brought the letter to me to show it to me. And it was a letter to the doctor who owned and operated the abortion clinic that was three blocks from our church. And um, she said, I want you to see this. This little girl wrote this letter of questions. Dear Dr. So-and-so, why don't you love babies? Why do you want to hurt babies? Jesus loves babies. Jesus loves you. And and on the letter went. I I mean, I was like amazed. she, She... put the letter in an envelope, she signed it, she sent it out to this doctor. I don't think we ever got a response from that doctor. But today, that doctor and that clinic are gone. In fact, the building that it was in has been leveled and gone. It's now an animal hospital. (laughs) But far better that. Did, Did her willingness to be this weak, rolling bagel for Jesus, bring that abortion clinic to an end. I think it had an impact. I think it did. I think you and I would want to be one of God's rolling bagels, knowing that we're in his hands and we're able to do incredibly powerful things. I think that's what part of what the, the story is here. I mean, what a testimony that little girl had. This is amazing. And, and I want to say, you know, statistically again, 
one out of every four women has had an abortion in America. So I just want to say that that's a possibility that somebody here has had one. And, and before I leave this passage, I just want to say, Jesus loves you, and he loves your baby. You know, you may have done this because of uh, a lie. Someone told you that it wasn't a baby. It, it may have been someone pressured you. It may have been someone uh, lied to you or, or pressured you, or maybe it was just fear. Uh, or maybe you just made the decision yourself. But I want you to know that Jesus does love you. And he says that if you confess that to him, well, first of all, if you know him, you're forgiven. In fact, I believe you're forgiven by your baby. And if you haven't, he says, come to me, confess to me, because I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He loves you. He loves you. So third thing I wanted that we should take a look at here as a lesson is that God wants us to see like a rolling bagel. I know that kind of sounds stupid, but I think God's using the 135,000 warriors, the, the dream about the barley loaf and the two enemy soldiers to teach Gideon to stop seeing with his eyes and start seeing with faith. To stop seeing the enemy the size of the enemy that's against us, and begin seeing with faith. You see, the story of Gideon is a call for the weak and the outnumbered to stand with our Lord in his strength against anything that's against you. You know, if you're here and you feel weak or overwhelmed, if you feel hopeless when looking at what's in your valley, you're just the person God's looking for because he wants you to stop seeing with your eyes and start seeing with your faith. And if you feel overpowered and intimidated by the culture that says Christians should stay inside this box with what they do, instead of living your faith outside the box, you're just the person God's looking for. He wants to give you eyes of faith so that you can stop seeing with your eyes. And let me prove it to you. Here's God's own word to you. Second Chronicles 6.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to, move to and fro throughout the earth, so that he may strongly support those whose heart are completely his. Let me read it to you with emphasis this time. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely given to his. So who do you think our Heavenly Father has his eyes on right now? Look around. It's you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you eyes of faith instead of eyes that are in the sockets of your head. He wants you to see things the way he sees things. He wants you to see how the impossible can be done with the impossible, how the powerful can be by defeated with the weak through his strength, through his power. And Let me give you some encouraging thoughts about that. You plus God are a majority. That's it. You plus God are a majority. Do you see yourself losing uh, to the threat that's in your valley? God says that you're more than a conqueror. Uh, does the threat in your valley make you feel hopeless? God says no weapon formed against his children will prosper. Do you see yourself not coming out of the shadowy valley in front of you? God says, I'm going to guide you through the valley. Do you see the waters that look too turbulent or the fiery flames too close? God says the rising waters will not overflow you and the raging fires will not scorch you. You getting the picture? Do you get the picture? 
We should all only hope to be one of God's rolling bagels. So, so far, what have we learned? We've learned that God knows your fears. God will strengthen you and do anything he can to strengthen you against your fears. And God wants you to stop seeing with your eyes and start seeing with your faith. There's one more lesson. Let's finish with verse 15. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Lesson, the last lesson, is seeing with faith produces worship and obedience. Seeing with faith produces worship and obedience. Once Gideon began to see with eyes of faith, he immediately responded with worship. You know, you might sit here and say, well, you know what, maybe you should have waited until after the battle of the worship instead of before the battle of the worship. But you know what eyes of faith does? You might, you know, eyes of faith are kind of like um, learning to trust God. The more we trust God, the more we learn to trust God. And the more we trust him, the more we see with eyes of faith. And the more we see with eyes of faith, what happens is that it elevates our eyes above the threat in our valley and puts them in heaven on our Savior and our Lord and our Master instead of on the threats that are in our valley. And what that does, it elicits in us worship. It brings worship to us. You know, um, <clears throat> Adam talked about this, but for this past month, the pastors have been praying Colossians 3, 1 through 2 for you. That if you've been raised up with Christ, and that's not talking about resurrection, that's, talk, that's talking about being elevated to a place of power and authority and glory with Jesus. It says, if you've been raised up with Jesus Christ, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father, keep seeking the things above. And think on the things in, in heaven and not on things on earth. So as we lean into God and we begin to trust him, what it does is it keeps lifting our eyes up higher and higher. And when we see God with eyes of faith, when we see the things around us with eyes of faith, it brings us to worship. And for a person who sees with eyes of faith, it's always time to worship. There's one more thing that's important here. It's immediate obedience. As soon as he began seeing things with eyes of faith, he went right to the 300 guys. He says, we're doing this right now. We're doing it tonight. Get your bugles. Get your, your, your vessels. Get your torches. We're going to do this right away. And it's going to cause you to obey right away too. Once I was, uh, when I was in business, I had a, um, a client that I was going to go see downtown and we always prayed for our, our meetings before we had a, a business meeting. And, and during the meeting, I just had a sense that we were supposed to tell this guy about Jesus before we showed him our products. And so my partner said, sure, let's do that. You know, if that's what you feel God's doing, let's do it. So we went downtown to the hotel where he was at, and he wasn't ready yet, so he told us to wait in the lobby until he sent a page to get us. And so while we're sitting in the lobby, we start talking to each other out of how we're going to talk about Jesus first. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking around, and this is a big fancy hotel, and he spent a lot of money for this. He spent money to fly in from San Francisco, and uh, he's a businessman, so why don't we just do business, and then afterwards we'll talk about Jesus. And so my partners are looking at me because I'm talking them out of it, and they're like, okay, you know, let's do that. 
So finally, he calls us. We go upstairs, and there's a beautiful like uh, buffet of lox and bagels and cream cheese. He's a Jewish guy, and uh, uh, jellies and you know drinks and stuff like that. And uh, said hello. Get the box of all of our goodies in it with all of our toys in it that we're going to show him. Open up the box. Pull out the first one, and I start pitching it to him. And he looks at me. He goes, "No, no, 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 no. Put it away. Put it away." So I put it away. He goes, come on, nosh, nosh, have some food. So we filled up our plates full of stuff. He goes, sit down, sit down. So we sat down. He goes, Wayne, is the end of the world near? Is Jesus the Messiah? He goes, if Jesus is the Messiah, I've got to change. <laughs> God had led me and had told us to talk about Jesus first. In my delayed obedience, and sometimes obedience delayed can be sin, maybe not, I waited. And because of the waiting, okay, I started to change my mind, get a little nervous, get a little anxious, get a little worried. And so that delayed obedience got me to a place of like waiting Waiting got me to procrastination, and procrastination almost got me to a place where I wasn't going to do it. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let that happen. He wanted this man to hear about Jesus. You have people in your life that need to hear that same story. And he's going to speak to you and through you with his spirit. And I'm going to tell you, if you're just this much this much wanting to be obedient and this much afraid. He's going to make sure that you do it and that you have the power and the courage and the bravery to talk about Jesus. And that goes through for anything that else and you fear in your valley. He will deal with that for you. He will be strong on your behalf. He's searching for you to make sure he could strengthen you so that you will be more than a victor and not the threat in your valley. So what did we learn? We learned first that God knows your fears before you do. We learned that God will do whatever it takes to strengthen you. We'll know that uh, God wants you to see with eyes of faith and that seeing with eyes of faith produces worship and obedience. Who here would like to be God's rolling bagel? Anybody? Yeah, this is a little peer pressure, sorry. But we used to do that with the youth group too. How about those guys in the back? I saw a lot more hands in front. You guys want to be a rolling bagel? Yeah, there we go. We got some. Good, 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 good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for this story. Lord, you know, uh, Gideon went through a lot. It must have been really frightening for him. But each one of us here goes through a lot as well. There are things that frighten us, and yet it's your power and your strength and your might that flows into us and through us that allows us to be more than conquerors in anything that threatens us in our valleys. We pray, Father, especially that uh, those that are, are really hurting today would, would take this message and use it as a, a, a power of encouragement in their hearts. And then, Father, for any of us who have people that we need to talk about the glory of the Lord to, I pray, Father, that uh, 
you would empower us and strengthen us to be brave and to share that wonderful love that he has for us with others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.